Good morning, everyone. Particular welcome if this is your first time around us. My name's Adrian. I'll be kind of guiding us through this next part. Um, in essence, we've been uh, looking at this amazing letter written by Paul to a church in an area uh, called Ephesus and the surrounding area. Uh, and we've been looking at this letter for some time now. Uh, and we've uh, kind of hooked it under a title in, uh, that we've called Crafted. As what we're realizing week on, week out is that uh, every single one of us, whether we know God or not, has been uniquely made, lovingly made, for purpose. And we're discovering more and more what that looks like. And I'd encourage you, if you would say you're not someone who centered your life around Jesus, actually, if you leave with nothing else but this, it is that God loves you more than you could dare to believe. And he longs for you to live in the knowledge of that love in order that you discover that you are someone he wants to radiate his love through. And that's his great purpose for you. And many of us in this room have discovered this truth, and many of us are seeking to live out this truth. And I was excited to hear um, Anne's encouragement, as I think it's so good within uh, moments as we gather to center on the wonder of who Jesus is and to celebrate in the wonder of his love, that God quickly kind of turns to us and says, well, we're on this planet for a reason. And these moments are good where we gather together and get gathered to once again together to the, the light that is Jesus. And yet it isn't the whole of the story. Actually, what happens in us gathering and seeing more of him is that we're then scattered to reveal more of him. And I thought it's so exciting to then get hold of that growing sense that God is wanting to cause us to become brighter in revealing his color and flavor in this city and beyond. And it's something I know that we live with. It's something why we gather together is the deep sense that actually we may not be uh, great in number, but we believe that we're to be great in influence in this city. Uh, and I get excited about it. I, I kind of get excited because actually what we're talking about is, is revealing God's color and flavor of, of things that you and I can do day in, day out. It isn't looking and thinking it's going to be this massive thing. It's often just through the small actions. I know this last week, uh, I have the privilege of being based here at Edgebaston, uh, get to be in relationship with different uh, individuals who work at Edgebaston. I got an email off one of them, uh, one of the guys who works on staff with uh, Edgebaston Stadium. And they were just basically informing us that today was a cricket match day. And it was going to go on for four days, and therefore we need to take care of where we park. I wanted to just ensure that they were caring for us through the process. And so in receiving their email, I just simply did this. I wrote to them a reply, not a very long reply, that literally read this. Thank you so much for taking the time to share this news. Also, I would like to say what an excellent job I think you do. Many thanks, Adrian. Within a few minutes, I receive a reply where it's far longer than the little sentence I'd written, where someone just writes and says, thank you so much for thanking me. <laughs> and then ends it, I won't go into everything else it says, but it ends it and just says, I wish that everyone was like Oasis at Edgebaston. Sometimes being light, adding colour and flavour is what we're already doing, yet don't ever quite see the reality of what it's doing. I want to encourage us that it isn't just the big acts that we can think are going to make a difference. So often it's the small acts that are the best acts that start to win people's hearts. I remember when I was 
uh, marrying my wife Lucy, which we get to celebrate 20 years off this year. I remember, which is very exciting. So these stories I wasn't going to tell you, but I just feel like I should. I remember telling, uh, getting to our wedding day, and I'd invited the whole of my office to my wedding. I worked in the civil service at that point. Uh, open plan officers, uh, I'd moved office a number of times, but the office I was in at that point it was about 45 people. We invited all of them to our wedding. During the kind of speeches, as you can imagine, if I get a moment where basically I just get to say anything and I'm the centre of attention, I'm going to use that. And so I revelled in the fact that I got to give a speech. I obviously made lots of mentions of the beautiful Lucy that I'd married. I then took a moment. I thought, man, I've got a moment now where all of my work colleagues are in a room. All of the friends and family we've got are in this room. And I can talk to them about one that I love even more than Lucy. And so I use that moment. I just say, actually, I don't know if all of you know this, but the one that I love more than any other is God. And God has made today amazing because it had been pouring down with rain in the morning of our wedding. And literally the moment in which Lucy stepped out of the car uh, to our wedding, the rain stopped. And by the end of our service, there was no sense that it ever rained. And so our photos looked like it was a gloriously sunny day. And I said, look, this is the kind of God that we have. A God who just cares about the detail of our lives. And I leave it like that. Three years later, I leave the civil service. And one of my work colleagues uh, with me, another one of the managers, kind of comes and sees me and says, Adrian, I don't know if you know this, but subsequent to you sharing on your wedding day, I was struck by maybe God's real. And since then, without you knowing this, I did an alpha course to discover who Jesus is. And I've come to know that he is wonderful. See, so often the stories we have to share are stories that are so minor We think, will this make a massive difference? Yet because of the definition that was spoken of in that TV screen, it makes a huge amount of difference. Because it suddenly causes people who are so used to living in black and white, in a distorted picture, to suddenly see the vibrance of colour that we were made to enjoy. That's the point of the life that we get to reveal. And that's what we're getting to discover in and through this letter of Ephesians. And this morning I want us to look at something of who we are together that is to radiate this high-definition colour to anyone who comes around us, to anyone who looks in. Because so often what we're to reveal shines out light in a place where people have got used to something that is only black and white and distorted sound. And we're going to look at something that actually sets out and could be a hard subject to look at because we live within an, a, a culture where actually I as an individual are highly prized. My rights are highly prized. And it's into that setting I want to shine the light, the color, the flavor of how we're to live as those who've centered our lives on Jesus, as those who are crafted to submit. You see, submission, as soon as I say that word, is going to conjure up different images in each of our minds. See, the thing is, this word submission has so many negative connotations. It has so many negative connotations because of how we've seen it outplayed in the world. Unfortunately, it's also because how we've seen it outplayed within the church. And so often submission, to be honest, can quickly be partnered with oppression. And so we can think, well, to submit means that you're going to be oppressed. And yet, what I want us to do is we're going to look at this next part of Ephesians is to discover that that isn't what submission is about. You see, submission, rather than it revealing us as doormats, 
those who willingly lay our lives on the ground to have others just clean their shoes on us and walk past. I want us to see that it actually reveals a beautiful act of freedom and love. And what we're going to discover is that who we are together, how we relate together, actually is able to reveal a freedom from love that is in love that anyone can taste and see and see that it's good. And so that's where we're going. I want us to straight away dig in there and we're going to look at Ephesians 5. I'm going to read from um, verse 15 through to 21. We're going to center in on 21, but I want to see it in context. And my hope is as we get to see it in context, we're going to start to understand why I believe that in our call to be crafted to submit is something that is a call out of freedom to reveal love, not a call to be oppressed. So Paul starts by this, verse 15. We've looked at this over the past couple of weeks. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. See, all we're going to look at in the fact that we've been crafted to submit, we need to understand is part of Paul building a bigger picture. It's a bigger picture that he's been building since verse 15, which has actually been building since the very beginning of the letter. Of understanding with those, if we've centered our lives on Jesus, that are to live in wisdom and to live wisely. And how we're to live wisely is we're to continuously live understanding this new life that we have. A new life that has been revealed through centering our life on Jesus, which means that we're now dead to an old life, dead to this old life where we were at the center, where we were curved in on ourselves. And actually, how in curving in ourselves, all of the distortion and destruction of that caused. But now we live in wisdom of this new life we have centered on Jesus, which causes us to live in the fullness of all he has to offer us, of love, acceptance, of power, of of wisdom, of purpose. All we've been looking at over the past kind of eight, nine months. That's how we're to live, out of this wisdom. But in this way of living, out of this knowledge of wisdom that we've gained, it isn't just a head thing. It's also one that God himself, who is Father, Son, and Spirit, comes and dwells within us as spirit. As Gus looked at last week, that we're to be those that are filled with the spirit, filled by God himself, in order that we'd be able to live out the the life that God has given us to live. And it's out of this understanding that we're those that are filled with the spirit that it then causes us to pour out in the way we live. And the first kind of way Paul kind of talks about is this is all that Gus looked at last week is as we're filled with the spirit causes us to just live lives that bring glory and wonder and awe of who God is to each other and whoever we get into contact with we can't help but on wedding days say I just can't help to tell you about this amazing God but then Paul goes on and says it isn't just to leave there it isn't just to remain at this moment of just praising in who God is in the voices we speak it also is in the actions we take And the first action he looks at is how we relate to one another. He says it's also to flow out in submission. So therefore, I want to look at Ephesians 5.21. 
submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Because what Paul's doing here is he's kind of using this moment, and we could quickly skirt through it, we could quickly go, it's just one verse, verse. submit to one another out of reverence to Christ, and then it immediately goes into how kind of you operate within a married relationship, and we could quickly rush into marriage, which we will get to look at in a couple of weeks' time. But it's so important that we pause here, because Paul is using this moment as a kind of pivoting moment, a bridge, if you like, between where he's been and where he's going. I'm saying there's this life that we have in Jesus that we're to live out of. And it's to impact our relationships. And first of all, he pauses here and says, this is how it impacts your relationships with everyone who centers their lives around Jesus. And then he's going to narrow it down and say, and this is how it's going to impact the specific relationships in different scenarios of marriage, of family life, of work. But at this point, he just wants us to get hold of what it looks like in this setting. And therefore, I want to just briefly look at the what, the who, the why, and the how of being crafted to submit. So let's start off with what. Well, it's quite easy, isn't it? What Paul is talking about, to be honest, this is going to seem a bit simple this morning. You're going to think, well, it is literally one verse. All I'm doing is unpacking the words that Paul's did there, put there, because what he's packed into this one verse is pretty amazing. And so the what is pretty obvious. It's submit. That's the what of what Paul's asking us to do. He's saying, submit. The thing is, as I said at the beginning, that word submit can have so many different connotations. Therefore, it's important at this point that we specify what we're not talking about and then look at what we are talking about. So firstly, submission is not a throwing in the towel. It's not that sense of, okay, I can't do anything here. And therefore, I'm just going to throw in the towel. I give up. That's what submission is. I'm just giving up. It's not that that's been spoken of here. Neither is it the fact that we've been overpowered. The submission is understanding how there's, those, there's someone else who's just way more powerful than me. And therefore, who am I in relation to who they are? They've overpowered me. And therefore, I come. And in any setting, I think, well, who's the most powerful person here? Oh, I'm just overpowered. I'm chained up. I'm oppressed. That's not what we're talking about when we talk about submission, nor is it about status. People of a certain age will get this side. Many of us will be looking and thinking, what is that? Go away and your homework is to Google and find out. Probably one of the best sketches ever. But in it, so often we can see that sense of overpowering actually within a community setting can then be that sense of comparison. Actually, submission is about status. It's about where do I sit on the chain? And so in this sketch, it's the guy at the top. I'm taller than him and more powerful than him. To the guy in the middle, the middle guy, yes, I'm less than him, but I'm more than him. And the little guy at the end say, no, I'm, I'm less than both of them. I'm bottom of the chain. And we kind of look and say, well, submission, what that's about is about status. It's working out where you are in the chain, the chain of command, the chain of authority. That's not what we're talking about here either. Submission isn't either about value. So we can tend to think, well, then, is it then not about, if it's not about status, is it about kind of how well you're doing? And kind of if you're one that others are submitting to, then obviously you're really special. You're like the big gold star holder. But if you're having to submit, surely that means that you're less than everyone else. But again, that's not what Paul is talking about. And we need to hear these things because, like it or not, different ones of us will be hearing these things. 
play out in our own mind when we hear this word submitting? We'll be thinking, actually, it is about status. You can say what you want, Adrian, but it is about status. It is about value. It is about being overpowered. It is about just throwing the towel in. And yet what we need to do is just draw a line and say, yes, the world might have taught us that. Yes, even church may have taught you that. But it isn't how it's meant to be. There's a different way that we're to see submitting. And it's that that Paul wants us to get hold of. Because if we get hold of it, we get to reveal something of, and someone of utter brilliance as we're going to see. Therefore, what is it about? I would say it's about freedom. Submission is ultimately understanding in this context that I am free to decide to submit myself, to subject myself. This isn't an unthinking and unquestioning moment. This isn't I switch my brain off and say, oh, yeah, yeah, it says in the Bible, therefore I submit myself. No, this is a moment of saying, no, I am deciding at this point to submit myself. What does that look like? Well, let me put another lens of scripture to help us on this. So Galatians 5.13, Paul writing to a different bunch of believers. And the great thing is we get all the letters. So we get to kind of see, okay, when you're saying this, I put this letter over here and it allows me to understand a bit more. Paul writes this, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. See, what Paul's saying here, and it helps us understand what does this submission look like that we're looking at in Ephesians, is that anyone who centered their life on Jesus is free. If we've centered our life on Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we understand that we are free. We're free from something, and we're free into, freed into something. We're freed from fear and death, the fear of, am I good enough? The fear of death, of that lingering moment of my body is wasting away. One day I will die. And is that in? And what's going to happen to me when I die? And Jesus' life, death, and resurrection say, no, I've answered that. I've freed you from fear and death in order that you be freed into life eternal. Life that means that there is no end. That death does not have the final say. It isn't the final curtain. It isn't the sting. It's removed. But also, it's not just a life that's eternal of nothingness. It's a life that's eternal, that is governed by love and acceptance. A love that is unconditional, that there's nothing you can make God do, nothing you can do to make God love you any more or less. That's the life that we're freed into through Jesus. And in it, what we understand is that we were able to gain that because ultimately we submitted ourselves to Jesus. We said, Jesus... I recognize who you are. I recognize your life, your death and resurrection. I've seen the light and I can't but be like a moth and radiate to you. And as I radiate to you, I submit everything I am to you because I don't want to be at the center of my life. I want you to be at the center of my life. And what we discovered in that moment of our freedom of choosing and submitting to him is that he doesn't oppress us. He freed us. And therefore, Paul wants us to understand that this submission he's speaking of is from the basis of freedom. Freedom that we've received through Jesus. There's an ultimate freedom. And it's then out of that freedom of my submission to Jesus, which has led to more freedom, I'm then free to let go, to set aside my rights. I'm free to submit myself. And how Paul kind of 
reveals that submission here is he says, well, it means that we can serve one another humbly in love. He kind of gives this definition, says, what does it mean, the kind of submission I'm talking about? It's a submission that is lovingly, considerately self-giving. Lovingly, considerately self-giving. It isn't unthinking, it isn't unquestioning. It's understanding that out of my freedom, I can now decide that out of love, considering who I am and who others are, seek to give and pour out myself to others. Which brings us on to the who. Who's pretty obvious again. Submit to who? One another. Out of reverence for Christ. The one another, well, it literally means one another. Um, you could say one another. I, I, I don't know quite how else to describe it. it. It is one another. In other words, it's anyone and everyone who centered their lives on Jesus. That's the one another. It's everyone who centered their lives on Jesus. There isn't like a boundary in it. Isn't that some are more important than others, so some kind of do it, some don't. Isn't that some are better at it than others? It's just that everyone, this is how we now function. This is how we now live in relationship to one another, is we submit to one another. See, Paul wants us to understand, he's going to look at some specifics of submission. He's going to look at some specific situations of how it gets played out. We could look at it through the whole of Scripture and find there's examples of how we relate to people in power in the nation, how we relate to leadership within the church, how we relate within married relationships, how we relate in our workplace, how we relate in our families. But the base point Paul wants to do is kind of build an argument here. He's say, right, there's an initial submission. An initial submission to God that everyone has done. Of saying, actually, I submit my life to you, God. To who you are, Jesus, your life, death, and resurrection. And then after that submission, there's then this other level of submission. Which is that every believer submits to every other believer. And it's to be that way because Paul wants us to model something incredibly beautiful. He wants us to model something that actually says this isn't about my rights and what I get here. It's about me discovering that I am free, living this life that is full of love, full of acceptance. And therefore, out of that place, I therefore get to live with others seeking to live the same. Not guarding my own rights, but being able to kind of spend myself on behalf of others. Because I also know they're going to be spending themselves on the in benefit for me. You see, this is something that benefits everyone involved. It's also something that people should come in and, and look in and say, well, this is just fundamentally different. How does this work? Because it doesn't seem like there's a hierarchy. It isn't that some have a greater status here and that's why everyone else is submitting to them. It's that, it isn't that there's some who are more valuable here. It isn't that someone seems to stand at the front and lord something over everyone else and they'll go, oh, yes, yes, thank you, I'll do that, I'll do that. It isn't that. People should come in and say, I look around, it just seems like people relate differently here. There is a mutual submission to one another. Why? Which we'll come on to in a moment. Can I just make a quick note in terms of leadership? Because at this point we could think, um, right, okay, what's being spelt of here is just some kind of utopian communism where like everyone is equal and that's how it's going to work and there is no structure it just kind of happens and we kind of like do it all actually this is way better than that what's being spelled here of course i'm going to say that but what's being spelled off here isn't that we kind of get in this sense of oh yeah we're mutually submitting to one another we're mutually kind of lovingly 
considerately self-giving. And then we have that going on, and then suddenly we say, oh yeah, but we've got this leadership who tell people what to do. No, it's that that's being worked out in every way of it being structured. So suddenly it turns leadership on its head. Suddenly it means that leadership that God has given within the church in order that it would function, be cared for, be directed, is actually through individuals who are saying, actually how I am doing this is by submitting. That in all I'm doing, I'm just lovingly, considerately laying down my life for everyone. That's what leadership is in the church. It isn't that in the world, but that's what it is in the church. And all the others then see, hey, I can see that this is motivated by love that is considerate towards who I am and who they are. And is out of them laying their life down. It isn't out of them kind of wanting to lord something over us or wanting to get us to do something that they're not prepared to do themselves. And then they think, well, then I want to I submit to that. Because I think, I see they've got my best at heart. Therefore, I want to lovingly consider what they're doing and say, I want to lay down my life for that. Suddenly, you see what it is. It suddenly becomes this moment of, as this is functioning, and what we're talking about is literally roles that cause us to function as a community, it is all from the same basis. It isn't that some submit and some don't. It's that all of it is submission to one another, working out the best for each other. And it means we don't have to be scared of words like leadership or authority. As we realize that this is totally upside down. Of anything the world's seen. Which is why I do believe that when we get this stuff functioning properly amongst us, when we become a community that are seeking to submit to one another, this is something of utter beauty, utter high definition, 4D, clarity, the world look in and say, do you know what, that is good. Because ultimately, why we live like this isn't so that we kind of function and people can come around and say, I like this community, it's a nice community. It's rather in order that we would reveal one who is wonderful, who is marvellous, which is what Paul wants us to understand. It's about a why. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That reverence means awe and wonder. In old translations, it was translated as fear. Now, fear was in that sense of awe and wonder. The problem is, in our culture, fear has led to some quite obscure determination of what that word means. And so fear can tend to mean terror. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Jesus is watching. That's not what Paul is talking about here. He's saying there's this, why we live this way is out of awe and wonder of who Jesus is. See, the truth is, sometimes I find it hard to submit. Sometimes I want to guard my own rights. Sometimes I want other people to think, hey, look at Adrian. Sometimes I want to think, hey, come and take care of me. Me, 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 me. Because I'm still a work in process. And it's in those moments that I have to remember why I submit myself. It's not so we can be something nice that everyone looks into. It's because I've realized there is one who's taken my gaze, who's filled my gaze, and I need to allow him to fill my gaze again. You see, when we see Jesus... We have awe and wonder of the model of submission that he is. That he was one who is willing to lay down his life, to come and live on earth, to live as we lived, yet never to sin. To then, to literally lay down his life 
in death. To take on the repercussions of all of our wrong actions and deal with it. And then to rise again. He's one who submitted and poured out the whole of himself in order that he could cause each and every one of us to gain everything of himself. So we have awe and wonder at one who submitted himself. We have awe and wonder at one we are now in. That we're now in Jesus. That we get to know that we are as loved as he is in the Father. The Father who has eternally loved the Son now eternally loves us as he sees us like the Son. We have awe and wonder that Jesus hasn't held anything back. He said, no, you get to share in my inheritance. I don't even quite know what that means. I keep pushing the dimensions thing. What does that fully mean? Jesus' inheritance, which when I read the scripture, is the whole of the universe. I get to share in. Blows my mind. Awe and wonder that he shares that with me. Awe and wonder at who he is. Jesus, who is merciful, forgiving, majestic, powerful, righteous, true. He fills my gaze. Paul says, look, as he fills your gaze, in reverence of him, in awe and wonder of him, submit yourselves to one another. Here's the uncomfortable truth. Here's the bit that I didn't want to build to. How I treat you is what I see of Jesus. Here's a bit more uncomfortable truth. How you treat me, how you treat each other, reveals what you see of Jesus. Paul punches home pretty hard what he wants us to understand of the privilege of who we are as a community, and yet the responsibility we have. That the light and the wonder and the awe that we see in Jesus will be revealed through how we live towards one another. In order that others come in and don't say, oh, you're nice. Actually come in and say, wow, look at the one you serve. Which then leaves us then, well, well, how do we do this? Well, I'd say we do it through three L's and two S's. This is some practical stuff, I think, of how we can learn, how we can seek to submit to one another. Because otherwise it can feel like, okay, I'm going to go around, I'm just going to, what do I do, just lay down on the floor before everyone? As a sign? I'm in and we kind of mutually greet each other by lying on the floor and saying, I submit to you. Like Jenny, I know in one culture that is the case. I had some friends where within their culture, depending on your seniority, you literally lay down before people. And so they were from a different culture, and they came and said, in our culture, because you're a church leader, we lay down. I said, no, 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 you don't need to do that here. That's just seen as weird in our culture. And so, but it isn't that that I want us to build to. We're not going to get into lying down before each other, because I don't think that will cause others to come in and say, wow, high definition. I think they'll come in and say, let's get out of here. Rather, here's some practical things. Firstly, it means that we're open to learning from one another. That there is no one that we can't learn something from. That we can learn both through being encouraged and corrected. That we need to have a sense that we are living, submitted to one another, which means we are open to others encouraging us and correcting us. Now, correcting is one of those hard ones because you think, I'm going to point that out at me. Well, there's someone who really loves you, who's considered who you are and they're seeking to serve you the best they can by correcting something they've seen. 
So firstly, learning. Secondly, listening. I think we can so often be quick to talk, where actually what we need to do is be quick to listen. Third thing, to love. This can seem a bit general, but I want to make it slightly specific. Always struggled with that word. Struggled for about 10 years. Used to call it Pacific. Um, but have to work hard. Specific. Um, with this one, I'd say it's then looking and saying in every relationship, saying, how can I seek to love this person in this moment? That's something I'm trying to do at the moment. In every conversation I'm going to have with someone, I'm thinking beforehand, how can I show love to this person? I'll tell you the challenging area for me is actually at home because I see my kids and my wife all the time. And so it isn't that I'm just thinking ahead of time and thinking, oh yeah, I've got an hour with them. How can I seek to love with them? How can I seek to love them? No, I've woken up, they're there. When I go to bed, they're there. And I have to purposely think, I'm not doing great sometimes at this, so I'm having to work on this. This is where you can correct me. And just seek and say, actually, what does it look like in this moment for me to love these guys? Four things, share. To submit ourselves to one another is to actually say, I'm going to open my life up to others. I'm going to open my life up to others in order they can stand with me and celebrate with me. I tell you what, it is hard sometimes to open your life up when stuff isn't going how you want it to be. When you feel ashamed of stuff that's going on. The greatest way to break the power of shame is to share what's going on. Not share it with everyone. It isn't that we're going to take a turn. Let's all stand at the front and let's say, this is what I'm ashamed of. It probably won't be that safe. But it's with people we know and trust. And we say, actually, I know we've done some of this journey together. I need to share this with you. As we share it, it breaks the power. And then lastly, that we serve and be served. That we're looking for opportunities and saying, actually, in, my, in me giving myself to others, I'm seeking to serve others. But can I also say that it also means that we need to be open to beings, being served. That made sense in that somehow along the way. <laughs> More I emphasize being. That so often we can be quick to serve others. I know for me, I find it very easy to serve others. I find it hard to allow others to serve me. To live submitted to one, means we, one another means we have to be open to others serving us. Let's land this. We are crafted to submit. Here's three uncomfortable questions. First one. When I say I, I don't want it to be a reflection agent Hurst. This isn't the point of this. I can know what I'm answering on these ones. This is for you to put, this is for you to say I. Am I submitted to God? That's like a yes or no. Maybe you've come this morning and you're trying to discover who God is. And this morning I want to encourage you, please keep continuing to discover who he is and what it looks like to submit your life to him. Maybe you're someone though who's here who has centered their life around Jesus' life, death and resurrection. But the honest answer at the moment of are you submitted to God is kind of. And before we look at submitting to one another, I want to encourage us, spur us to say, let's be those who come continuously and say, I submit everything to you again, God. We're not into bolting things on the outside that make us look pretty. We're about changing the inside, which then change the outside. So first question. Second question. What do my actions reveal about my reverence of Christ? reflect lastly what do i need to do next i'm going to end slightly differently this morning i want to just give us literally one minute to just reflect on these questions and where we're going to get to is what do i need to do next is during the tea and coffee i want us to then grab one another and say hey we're going to be submitting to one another therefore this is what i need to do next of the answer of the other questions
Just close our eyes. Take a minute. I'll pray for us. We're done. God, I pray, and I want to pick up where we kind of left off in our worship, and just say, God, we want to be a community that reveal your colours and flavours in this city and beyond. And God, I pray that that would be worked out through how we interact together. God, I pray, would we be a community that knows what it is to live in awe and wonder of who you are, Jesus, and out of that, to live submitting to one another. God, I pray that people who'd come in and see something different about who we are. And God, there's so much more we could say. There's so much more of how this then models in who we are, of how we then spend ourselves for those who don't yet know you, Jesus. But at this point, we just say we want to take hold of your encouragement through Paul. and say we want to live differently as a community. God, we want to reveal the beauty of submission of understanding the freedom it speaks of and the love it speaks of. We ask this for your glory, Jesus. Amen.